Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Is my mic working? <laughs> Is my mic working? Yeah, good. It was an interesting um, use of the word seed, what you were saying, Caroline. What were you saying? That you were praying that Phil would spread seed. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about this morning. So, um, and then Esther, you were talking about um, streams of living water, was that right? And yeah, that's good. There's my confirmation, I'll take that, thank you, Lord God. Right, so, um, let me ask you a question. Who actually enjoys gardening? There are some takers for gardening, yeah. Okay, Steve likes gardening. You like looking at them, yeah. Look like a nice garden, yeah, but, but gee, am I the only one that finds it difficult? What, that like it or find it difficult? Nothing grows. When you, when you go out in your garden, you find that half of it is clay and half of it is stones and whatever. Um, I swear the previous owners have buried some pets out in the back of our garden. And, um, yeah, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. But, um, anyway... Is it, Linda's good at, no, Linda's not here, is she, today? Oh, she is, yeah, so you must have been sticking your hand up, Linda, mustn't you? You've got the green fingers. <laughs> and uh, Will, is Will here? No, he's, he's my um, go-to man about talking about vegetables, but um, no, yeah. So maybe I'm uh, not a good person to speak much about um, growing things and how seeds grow, but rest assured, if you hear me say something about seeds and how things grow, I've got it from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's all right, there we go. But um, I'm also, of course, going to uh, take something from the Word, and there's quite a lengthy passage that I'm going to read out today. It's from Matthew 13, so it's probably not going to come up on the screen, um, so if you've got your Bibles, your phones, or your good old-fashioned proper Bible, um, it's Matthew 13. And um, what's Matthew 13? What am I talking about? It's the parable of the sower. sower. Yeah, the parable of the sower. Okay, so uh, reading from Matthew 13... That's page 1,430 in my Bible. <laughs> okay. Ah, praise God. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. 
the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. Amen. Amen. But blessed are your eyes because they see, your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Amen. So the parable of the sower illustrates how the sower or farmer spreads seeds for salvation to unbelievers. But it also teaches us the principle of how we receive the word of God as believers. So this morning, what I'd like to do is just encourage you to be thinking about how your heart receives the word of God and, yeah, your daughter who's looking for salvation or rather she might not be looking for salvation, but we pray that God will, um, yeah, cause her to, to find that um, salvation. Yeah. Amen. So think about those that you know around you as well that are unsaved, but um, yeah, I think my, my primary concern is for us in here, um, this morning at least. <coughs> so we should think of our heart and view our heart as the soil when we're applying this parable. God the Father is the farmer who spreads the seed, he's the sower. And the seed is the word of God, as you were saying. Father God casts the seed, the word of God, into the soil of our hearts. And that's where the crop is expected to grow. It's out of love and intimacy with 
um, the Lord, and it's not um, through legalism and religion that we expect a crop to grow. Let's um, go back to the story. So hopefully you've, you've not closed your Bible. It might be a, an idea to keep Matthew 13 open because I'm going to come back to it and refer to it. And I think one of the, the fascinating things to start off thinking about when we look at this passage is that in verse 2 it says that um, Jesus um, was addressing a really large crowd and it was so large that he had to step away from the shoreline and go into a boat, go out a little bit, I guess, from the shore and he had to do that so that he could see everyone and preach to everyone. So you've got a fantastic illustration there of first century crowd control. And now, of course, we would put up these barriers and make sure that everyone was um, safely sat down. But um, that's what they did there. So in front of Jesus at that time, that point of time, that day, he had so many people. He had so many different hearts, if you like, that were presented in front of him. I don't have so many people today because there's lots of people away. But, um, you know, just imagine maybe um, a crowd in one stand of a football stadium. It could almost be as big as that. And he must have had all sorts of different types of people. He he had Pharisees there, I'm sure of it, because in the previous chapter, they'd been following him around quite closely and they'd been demanding signs from him, miraculous signs. So I'm sure they were there um, that day as well. So maybe people there for not entirely a, a good reason, you know, rather trying to catch him out and trick him rather than here with an open and a good heart. He probably had the curious as well. He probably had the people that had seen the miracles and seen um, the healing earlier on. They probably wanted to see more. And he probably had people that were more than that, that were hungry for God and recognised in Jesus that perhaps here was their Messiah. And also, of course, his followers, maybe, that were committed to him already, and the disciples, they would have been there. So there were lots of different hearts, lots of different types of soil, if we're thinking about our parable, uh, um, in front of him. In fact, sometimes people call this the parable of the soils, rather than the parable of the sower, and I think it's a good way of looking at it. There are different types of heart or soil that receive the word of God, be it salvation or be it something else. When I think about my garden, yeah, there's lots of different types of soil there. And that's my garden at Wadham Gardens, I should say, not in my heart, I hope that's some. (laughs) Uh, There's clay in my garden at Wadham Gardens. Hopefully there's no clay there. That would be a hard heart, wouldn't it? So verses um, 4 to 6 tell us that the seed was scattered widely all over the place, it seems. And some of these places, we might think, were not intentionally meant to have seed. Like along the path where the birds came and ate it up, or on the rocky places where there wasn't much soil. The seed sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants were scorched when the sun came up and withered through lack of sufficient roots. Another seed fell among thorns, which grew, so, which grew also and choked the intended plants. 
So when you look at this maybe in a natural sense, you might think, well, that was um, quite wasteful, really, just sowing everywhere, certainly by our modern-day standards. This is where I'm getting a bit Wikipedia-ish, and uh, I've looked at this on the internet. <laughs> but um, some of this wa apparent wastefulness, I think, is explained because um, at that time, when they were sowing, the ploughman followed afterwards. So it wouldn't necessarily be the case that the person who's sowing the seed knows exactly where it's going. It doesn't know underneath the soil that there's a whole load of rocks. So, of course, we've developed farming techniques um, beyond that now, and um, I guess we have uh, cleaner fields, which are going to be more fruitful and yield more crops when we sow into them. So the sower had no means of recognising straight away um, exactly what was in the soil, what lay underneath it, or where the path would run. So when you read this, you might think, well, there's a lot of work seemingly for no reward. But, you know, this is where God's in it for the long term, because um, although this seed might fall in places which we think are perhaps difficult to yield a crop, he's the one that has the intention and is in it for the long term to plough the hearts and to make them ready so that eventually there will be a crop. I think when I was going through this, when I was preparing this, I was also reminded by Holy Spirit of God's kindness and his patience and his grace in all this matter. If you're like me, you heard the gospel a number of times before you gave your heart to the Lord. You heard it in different ways. You know, maybe it was at school, maybe it was at Sunday school, maybe it was with your family at home. Or maybe the first time you heard it, you gave your heart to the Lord, I don't know. You'd have had a different heart to me. And people can be very hard going. Um, yeah, just uh, if we look at Romans 1, uh, verse 18, for example, we know it says there that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all the, go all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. But since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And he kind of has as, a, has as a modern footnote, you know, people exchange God for science and reasoning nowadays. And they try to, um, you know, uh, place that as their God. I mean, they don't put it in those, those words, but um, that's their thinking and their reasoning. So if we go back to the parable of the sower or the soils, we, we see, thank the Lord, that some seed falls on good soil. 
where it produces a crop 160 or 30 times what is sown. So there's multiplication in the seed. And um, you'll see that in this uh, different degrees of multiplication that, of course, some appears to be more productive than others. Maybe it's the case that some hearts are producing more of a crop, more fruit than others. Verse 10, we see the disciples asking why Jesus spoke in parables. And do you know, I think this is quite an important part to the whole of this passage. Because Jesus says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. What's that knowledge that has been given to them? What's that? Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to tell me. No. <laughs> but it's the standard Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. It's Jesus himself. He's given himself to them. And the secrets are the effects of his message and his ministry, and eventually it's his death and his resurrection. That's what's been given to us. Surely he said that he has come, that we should have life and have it to the full. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, prays uh, to the Ephesians and, you know, by extension to us, because he says, you know, and all the saints, and being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the saints, that's all of us here, to grasp how wide and long and high is the love of Christ, and that we should know this love that surpasses all knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Bill Johnson's often quoted as saying, isn't he, that Jesus is perfect theology. So that's as far as we need to look when we're thinking about the secrets of, um, of heaven. That, that, that's, well, not as far as we need to look. That's the wrong way of putting it. But that's our starting point. It is Jesus. He's the one that was given us, given to us. In verse 17, it says, Many prophets and righteous men have longed to see and hear what you have seen and heard. Do you know, I think we're amazingly privileged to be living in this time as Christians, to have had the revelation that we're able to draw on that has been given to the church that we see in the word of God, but has also been given to the church um, in its widest sense throughout the world, but also here, and the teaching that we receive here. And, um, you know, all the books which are available to us, the worship music that is available to us. And, um, you know, many prophets and righteous men long to, to see all of the things that, that we're able to experience and see ourselves. And, um, you know, just, just stop and, and be thankful at this point in time that you are where you are. And that, you know, th this is um, it's so easy to overlook this, that, you know, we, we've got such a privileged position at this point in history, if you like. I mean, it, it's just too difficult to explain, isn't it? 
um, time and how it unfolds and, and all those sort of uh, issues. But to be right in the here and now, to be able to experience God with everything that's been fed into us is just an amazing privilege and wonder. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and I just pray that, that, that God keeps us from calloused hearts and, you know, just from not being thankful for the, 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 the privilege of all of this. You know, Lord, just, just give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, what you have to us. So we don't really have to go into... Um, much of an explanation as to the types of soil or the types of heart because it's given in this passage, isn't it? Um, we don't need a, a full explanation. But what we do need to do, I think in response to reading this, to you know, reading about, um, or is it the, the, uh, the word which is snatched away because we don't understand or seek understanding, you know, maybe that's uh, demonic attacks which come, you know, pretty, just imagine, you know, the, the birds coming down and picking up the seed before it's even got a chance to take root. Or the fact that we might fall away because we have no root. Despite the receiving the word initially with joy, we might get troubled or suffer persecution and that might cause us to fall away quickly. Or it might be that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth could ch choke the word, making it unfruitful in our lives. Those are the things we've got to ponder. But I'm grateful that in this parable there's a wonderful ending to it, isn't there? Because at the end, praise God, it says how... Um, fruitful the word of God can be in our hearts, it can produce a hundred, sixty or thirty times what is sown. <coughs> ah, so where am I in my notes? So, the word of God planted in our hearts is planted metaphorically, if you like, in soil. And the soil might need ploughing for it to be ready to receive the seed. We need to remember that for those around us that we're praying for salvation um, and also for ourselves. But what else does it need to grow? What does a seed need to grow apart from soil? Water. And it also needs light and heat, yeah. Hopefully nothing else. Sun, yes, sun, yeah, we'll call that light. So for the word to yield multiple times in us, we need water, the water of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was spoken about earlier, wasn't it? Esther was talking about drinking living waters. And Jesus is the light the sun, the heat that we need for it to grow as well. Let's think about the water. In John 7, 38 to 39, Jesus said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. 
I have an amen at the front. Hallelujah. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We received Holy Spirit. If you've believed in him, you've received Holy Spirit and you can continue to receive, continue to drink the living waters. Also, do you remember that in Genesis that there was a river and this river ran through Eden into the garden and from the garden it parted into four heads. This is, was before the fall, before the fall of man, not autumn. And um, Thank you. Uh, so there was a spiritual garden and it was in the realm of the spirit and it connected to the natural environment. So this, came, this river came from heavenly places and it actually came out into the natural environment before the fall of man. And Genesis tells us, this is in Genesis 2, that the four headwaters were the Pishon, hopefully I pronounced that right, Gihon, Tigris and Euphrates. Look at your atlas or your map and you'll see the Euphrates and the Tigris. I choose to believe that, you know, it's, it's the Tigris and the Euphrates that we have now in the physical that are kind of something left over from that spiritual river that was going out into the natural. So we have the Tigris and the Euphrates left in the natural. I don't know where the Pishon or the Gihon are. I don't think they've managed to trace those, but, you know, if anyone can put me right on that, you can tell me afterwards. Don't tell me now and embarrass me. But there is still that river. It didn't get taken away by the fall of man. All, all that happened after the fall of man was that Eden was um, sort of blocked off, wasn't it? I mean, it's been held guard by cherubim with swords and uh, flaming swords. And you know, we, we, we can't go back unless... Uh, we, we can go back into the spiritual, but we go back through Jesus. And that spiritual river is a spiritual place which is connected to our spirit being. God's chosen to make his home in us. That's the wonder that we stand in existing now. As I was saying earlier on, that you know, we, we have an absolutely remarkable privileged position that prophets and righteous men were looking into and could only just sort of marvel about now if they were to see exactly who we are. Our challenge, and my challenge to you today and to me, is that we actually start to seriously walk in this. So in the natural rivers are sometimes used for irrigation. The Colorado River, for example, in the American Southwest and Northwest Mexico helps irrigate millions of acres of land. Irrigation is the method in which water is supplied to plants at regular intervals for agriculture. It's used to assist in the growing of agricultural crops, maintenance of landscapes and revegetation. Oh, sorry, and revegetation of uh, disturbed soils in dry places and during periods of inadequate rainfall. Listen to this. Additionally, irrigation is also, also has a few other uses in crop production, which include 
protecting plants against frost, suppressing weed growth in grain fields, and preventing soil consolidation. So if we connect with this river, this spiritual river that's inside of us, you know, there's going to be a benefit there. Our, our, our hardened hearts, the consolidated soil, my back lawn in the clay bits, it gets irrigated properly. And it suppresses weed growth. It's fantastic all the things that can crush and can choke and can get in the way. So it's inside of you that the streams of living water, when we um, purposefully choose to chase the glory presence of God that he's placed inside of us. What about the light? We looked at the soil, we looked at the water. Well, Jesus is the light that the seed needs to grow. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 describes the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And Hebrews says he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He's the sunlight that we need to bask in. We don't need to go on holiday and uh, Sunday. We just need to kind of bask in God's glory in the light of Jesus. Remember, he is the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He's the one that's been given to you. So we need the seed of the word to produce crop and the Holy Spirit for watering. And we shouldn't really have one without the other. You've probably heard this countless times in different sermons, but they say, you know, if you're all word, you dry up. If you're all Holy Spirit, you blow up. If you're word and spirit, then you grow up. Amen. Not heard that one. <laughs> I'm surprised. You, you, you sat in this church so, so, so many years, you should have heard that one tons of times. Okay. You can have that. Right. Okay. Let's draw this to a close. Let's pray. I don't know if it's, uh, it's clear what we need. and, and uh, Yeah, we, we can talk in time, kind of like these uh, allegorical terms or illustrations. Um, but each one of you is different. As I said earlier, we're thinking about maybe other people as well. Um, we're thinking about how the word of God gets planted and um, you know, it brings salvation to some, maybe quicker than others. And it produces perhaps more in others um, than it does other people. Father God, I thank you for your word, and, and I thank you, Lord, that you've given us seed for our hearts. Lord, we've got no excuse not to receive the seed and to um, have the seed, because the word of God is right in front of us. We, we've got access to Bibles, we've got access to teaching, and um, all these other things, TV channels, whatever it might be. So we thank you, Lord, for this um, wonderful privilege and um, the way that you've just um, lavished all these uh, wonderful things on us, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, for the hearts in this room and uh, the hearts that each individual person maybe is bringing 
to you, like Caroline's daughter and um, other people that we can think of that are not yet saved. I know that there are people in my family, my, um, my brother and um, you know, there's some other people as well in my, my family, Lord, that nephews and nieces that um, need salvation. Father, I pray that they will have hearts that receive the word of God. Lord God, we need the streams of living water. And we need to drink of the streams of living water on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to fill us. And Lord, we drink you, Holy Spirit. We drink you in. And as best we're able, Lord, we just look into our inner being, our hearts, and um, we want to connect with the streams of living water, that river that flows from the heavenly places into our spiritual being, that river that can irrigate our hearts, that river that can cause the soil to be ready and to be ripe for the word of God to produce that crop. Jesus, we thank you that you are the radiance of God's being. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. You are the the bright, shining star, Lord. You are the one, Lord, we just bask in the light of your glory. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You've been given to us. And Lord God, we ask these things and we expect a multiplication of the seed in our hearts. Father, we're praying for a revival. We're praying for a multiplication of the seed, the word of God in our hearts. Lord God, we don't put any agenda on this, Lord, because each one of us is different, but we are praying, Father, for revival and that revival to come through intimacy with you, Lord Jesus. And connecting with you in the spiritual sense. Lord God, we love you and we bless you this morning. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, again, just for, for giving us all that you have. I mean, words just can't express, Lord, what you have done for us and where you've placed us. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.